lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is, and at the highest level. Glad to have you all back again. Frank Crivello here, along with co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are you doing this evening? I am at a Hilton in downtown Omaha, Nebraska uh, tonight. Middle um, America. Okay. I'll yeah. Like yeah, the heartland, the heartland. Bringing the show on location, although I'm <laughs> I'm locked up in my room. <laughs> I was going to ask, so, are you in a CD bar there? But I guess not. You're in uh, your hotel room, so no, no. But I will, I will get down there. Uh, I will get down there and, uh, and and have a libation after this. So, uh, you know, how about yourself? Uh, getting down to the nitty gritty, getting closer and closer to the big day. We're going to meet, uh, or you're going to meet the, your uh, your uh, your son or daughter. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I pushed for the name Andrei Shevchenko Maldini Nesta, but she wasn't having it, so I'll have to figure something out. Well, you got to change your last name from Carmen to Nesta in order to do that, don't you? <laughs> well, I meant to add Carmen at the end, but that was just the first, middle, second, third name. <laughs> oh, oh, that poor bit, that poor child. Um, but anyway, uh, so do uh, stick around for this podcast. Uh, Richard uh, had an interview with Adriano Del Monte, and we are going to bring that to you here. Uh, toward the end of this podcast. Um, I do want to throw these out here. I know you want me to do this at the end of the pod first, Richard, but you never know. People might get sick of us halfway through like you <laughs> like you like to think and probably turn us off. We have our own channel on iTunes. We have our own channel on SoundCloud now. We're going places. Um, so, you know, please, uh, by all means, uh, uh, go to those apps, subscribe to us, uh, and tell us what you think about us, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, you know, we, uh, we'd love to hear from you all uh, through that vehicle. Um, we're also, uh, or Richard actually has uh, been doing the legwork <laughs> in setting up a, uh, YouTube page for Seria Sit Down, uh, where if you were on Twitter, you were surprised to find him put together a video, uh, with the, uh, five goals of the week, uh, for match week one. It was just a miserable excuse for him to praise his, his high and mighty Roberto Inglesi, um, he's in, he's in and Jekyll's volley is out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, to be to be fair, yeah, Curtis's goal should have been above both of those, but you know, hey, it happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> okay, well, we're gonna, you know, since it was since since it was a dry run and it was the first video we we're putting out there, I think I, I think we can forgive it. So, although I don't think Roma fans are gonna be particularly happy, no, um, we're already getting stick from it, so it's all right. Yeah, so it's good. Uh, it's good. So you know, initially I agreed with it until I realized, wait a second, Jekyll's goal isn't on there. So, um, but. Uh, you know, before we get into and what we're going to do is we'll talk uh, Kievo Juventus, we'll talk Lazio Napoli, we'll talk the other results, um, you know, and then a couple of other things here before we get to uh, your interview with uh, Adriano Del Monte. Um, I want to start by getting on my soapbox here because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still irked by how Serie A approached um, this situation here with the tragedy at the Ponte Morandi in Genoa. Okay. Um, everybody knows 39, 39 people lost their lives. I think maybe more than that. Um, you know, once they, uh, they continued counting, I mean, at last I checked, it was, it was at 39, but nonetheless, a significant loss of life, uh, to a very unfortunate tragedy. Um, and, uh, we know what happened. Uh, Genoa, M- Milan Genoa postponed, Sampdoria Fiorentina postponed. Rightfully so. Don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Okay. If you've got, uh, you know, teams that represent that city and presidents don't, don't feel it's the right time to play. Um, you know, so be it. 
you know, good on them for thinking about their city first. Very good on Milan and Fiorentina uh, for agreeing with it because what else were they going to do? Uh, especially Fiorentina, uh, with everything that happened with Davide Astori way back in March, um, with uh, the slate of games being canceled, with Davide Astori passing away suddenly, and then Milan. Is that really the first impression that Leonardo and Paolo de Maldini want to make and the new owners want to make? Um, being tyrants and saying, no, sorry, we want to play. You've got to come up and play. So um, that all aside, uh, I got a lot of run from a couple of people about um, – being a little insensitive and, oh, you're just a Milan fan and you're upset that the game is postponed. Okay, let me tell you something. I'm a human being. I can wait a week to watch my team play their first game of the season if it means taking the time to mourn and taking the time to grieve and taking the time to pray, uh, you know, for loved ones who lost, uh, you know, for people who lost loved ones, I should say, uh, you know, to a tragedy. Okay, didn't don't have a problem with that at all. All right, where people didn't see where I was coming from and what I was trying to explain on Twitter, and I am going to now quadruple down on it here on this podcast because I think this is the fourth time I've had to explain it. The hypocrisy of Serie A to just postpone the Genoa game, the Genoa-based games, uh, but go on with the rest of the slate. I can read right through what Lega Calcio and Serie A are trying to do. It's Pretty Boy's debut on Saturday. There's no way they want to move that. You know, and to a lesser extent, lesser extent, Ancelotti's homecoming uh, as Napoli boss, and they don't want to move that, okay? Serie A, Lega Calcio, if this was really about Genoa, if this was really about the victims, you postpone all of the games, okay? You don't go for that. You don't get impatient and go for that cheap ratings grab and that cheap money grab that's going to be there anyway, all right? And that's what I felt was going on here, uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't like fans of clubs who were playing going and trying to pontificate to people like me who are trying to make our point that it was about, it should be, if it's about Genoa, if it's about the city, if it's about the victims, postpone all the damn games. All right. And we had, you know, going back and forth with a couple people on Twitter that their teams were playing and their teams were playing on Saturday on the national day of mourning. Okay. If there's a national day of mourning, why are people playing football? Why are playing people playing Calcio? All right. It just it, it didn't make any sense to me except for the fact that Serie A and Lega Calcio, this was a cheap, let's get our money now, let's get our ratings now, let's show everyone how great our brand is now. Okay? And they sold, in a way, I think they sold out the city of Genoa and they sold out those victims by saying, we're just going to do these two postponements. We're going to carry on with Pretty Boy getting his debut. We're going to carry on with Ancelotti coming home. And then the other six games we're going to keep because that's just window dressing. It'll kind of cover it up a little bit. All right. So so for everybody that tried to pontificate to me that it's sour grapes because Milan didn't play, I can wait for Milan to play if it means letting people have a chance to greet. All right. As an American, as someone that was, you know, vividly remembers September 11th. Okay. You know, and all of the debates on sports talk radio, should National Football League play that weekend, should college football play that weekend, and all that other stuff. None of us wanted to cheer, Richard. We weren't ready. No. Okay? So, and, it, and, and this is the same thing here. If there's a tragedy, it affects the country, postpone all the games. All right? Postpone all of them. We could have all waited until next week uh, to have these, uh, you know, to have these games. Richard. Yeah, it's... Uh... When I first heard the news that obviously, you know, Sampdoria, Fiorentina, and Genoa, Milan were postponed, I'm like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't they? 
I, of course they're going to cancel. And then I'm looking around here, make sure the other games are canceled. I'm like, okay, why is nobody else canceling their games? And I kind of I had the exact same feeling that you did. You know, it's it's a certain person's you know debut in Serie A, and they want to get their ratings and this and that. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to just cancel two of the games. It affects the whole country. Why? Why you play the other games? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, it's 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 head scratching to me. And then people who want to say other otherwise, it, they're just ridiculous. You know, get real. Um, we, we don't care that our team doesn't play. It's it, the whole league shouldn't be playing. It doesn't make sense. And now the other team's gonna play catch up and uh, whatever. That's not the point. The point is the whole league should have been canceled. Not not just two of the two of the games. So. Um, Precisely. You said it. You said everything that I needed to say. I'm, uh, I can't elaborate anymore because I, I just I'm still scratching my head on it because it's it's uh, I can't, I can't figure. Oh, I can figure it out. I just it's the same old same old. Syria swears they're changing and yet they don't. Yeah, it's just um, so it was. Uh, you know, that's what I was mad about. You know, and, and I'm going to say it one more time. And, and Chloe Beresford probably says the same thing as a Fiorentina supporter. I'll wait a week, you know, if it, if it means helping a, a community be able to try to heal. Okay. My, my team doesn't need to play this week. If, if, if we need to go to those depths, then sure. All right. But I would have liked to have seen a statement. There should have been a statement from Serie A and from Lega Calcio and say our country and our people are more important than the debut of one of the, you know, you know, one of the best players of this generation, you know, there's going to be all kinds of discussions about where he fits in the history of the game, Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. And then the homecoming of Carlo Ancelotti, it was, they could have taken a humanitarian step as a league to say, listen, you know, we're entertainment. You know, we obviously have a very passionate fan base, all 20, you know, at all 20 teams in this league. And, but our people are more important. Okay. And life should interrupt Calcio. And, all of these games are going to get moved on to next week. We'll still have our ratings. We'll still have our money. But they wanted to strike while the iron was hot. And I say shame on them. Nothing? Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, I got nothing. No, it's, it's, you said it. Uh, there's not much left to say. It's just like I, I, I still can't believe it. But, uh, I mean, we're going to have to move on from this because it's, it's, uh, it's a shame that, you know, Syria – and, and and the FIGC can't just get their shit straight uh, yep. with something like this. It, it, it people come before a game, you know. Lives matter more important than, than that. And, and uh, uh, an honest to God tragedy happened, and they should mourn that. And not just by skipping two games, they should skip every freaking game. But yeah, uh, we'll see. You ask you ask someone who lost a loved one in that tragedy if they were looking forward to watching Cristiano Ronaldo play yeah. on the day that they're burying their loved one. Exactly. Okay, or if they're pumped up about Carlo Ancelotti coming home, you know, I mean, and, 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 and let the other communities rally around Genoa instead of, you know, having their having their games and have, you know, and, and Liga Calcio and Serie A having the rings. So uh, very disappointing. Uh, I thought they could have shown a more human side and could have done a lot better here. But since they played, we'll talk about it. Um, so the uh, the opening match of the season, we'll jump right into it. Uh, Chievo and Juventus. So this long-awaited debut of Cristiano Ronaldo uh, at uh, the Bentagoni, which uh, this fixture was famous for very, very different reasons 
uh, last season, Richard, with the whole uh, uh, Cacciatore red card getting faded to a red card by the referee Maresca. Uh, still remember that like it was yesterday <laughs> and a lot of the outrage that ensued. And, uh, you know, another player receiving another red card that, you know, was basically a second yellow. And I can't remember the player, but the first yellow probably shouldn't have gotten. Uh, and it basically set up for the second yellow. And Juve ended up playing 11 v 9 and ended up being a training exercise and ended up winning like one or two nil. Um, so now it's famous because uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, as I said, one of the greatest players of this generation, um, among the top five, among the top 10 to ever play the game, depending on how you debate it and who you look at, uh, makes his debut. Uh, everybody's uh, uh, jaw just drops at the lineup they're going to put out with that attacking quartet of Douglas Costa, Paulo Dybala, Juan Cuadrado, and Cristiano Ronaldo in the nine, Richard. Um, I looked at the lineup and I <laughs> hand to God, but I've gotten, I got no way of proving or disproving this. You got all of this, you got all of this, oh dear Lord talent, and they still stick Sammy Kadira in the damn lineup. And I sat there and I looked at this and said, the funny thing about this is Sammy Kadira is going to score a goal. Lo and behold, three minutes in. Janic whipping it in. And the first goal scored by Kadira inside three minutes. What a start for the champions. I wish I would have tweeted that. I actually, I legit was thinking that, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Got all of these nice shiny toys out there, and then the one, the, 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 the train that looks like it hasn't been polished in years gets on the score sheet first. Uh, Old that's faithful. Cal, that's Calcio for you. I mean, but here's the thing, and, and, and there were some Hubei people that tweeted about this. <laughs> you know, he scores some interesting goals at some interesting times, and it just, there's Hubei fans out there that just seem to allow that to mask how terrible he can actually be for Juventus. I mean, your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, you don't see uh, Milan fans with Montalivo scores saying, hey, why don't you keep him in the lineup? No, but uh, yeah, I, it's something about this guy. And he is, he is, he used to be very good in big games, especially. Um, he still has a rocket of a shot. We, we remember last year uh, when uh, he took that far far shot and, and Donnarumma saved him in top 90. Um, he has his moments, but he's just lost his speed and Sure enough, like you said, you know, with all the talent they have, all the Ferraris on the pitch, and it's the old uh, punch buggy that gets the goal, the first goal of the game, minutes into it. Uh, it was it was comical. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Juve fans. They, I know they don't they don't want him on the pitch. You got so many other players on the on the bench that you could put out there. You know, Matuidi is the first one that jumps to mind. Uh, but when Kadira scores, then you're like, uh, okay, we can leave him on there for a little bit longer, you know. And so uh, they're torn between. Uh, their heart and and their mind so it's uh it's just funny just watching from a distance you know mm. and uh Juve bossed the possession in this game uh you know Kievo and and you know their coach spoke after the game and I think some of the players spoke after the game that they just they got they got caught in awe of the moment um you know and, and maybe to explain some of their poor play which you know let's see down the road how good Kievo is I think all of us have a pretty gloomy scenario for them uh, as the season goes on. But uh, needless to say, uh, 35 minutes after Kadira's goal, something that wasn't in the script turned up. There he goes, Stepinski! Wonderful equaliser against the run of play. But look at the delight on the curve. Mario Stepinski uh, on a uh, cross from Emanuele Giacorini, and uh, guess who left him open, Richard? 
Huh. Kadira? <laughs> no, it was Benucci. No, not Kadira. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we send him back. We, we, send, we send him back to Juve. As Milanisti, we send him back to Juve with our best wishes, and he delivers the goods. So... <laughs> Oh, that was that was. I mean, just talk about just just not even caring about who you're supposed to be marking in that situation. Yeah, free header. That's uh, Stabinski's not going to miss that. Yeah, and and was well taken, uh, and a great cross by Jacarini. And at the moment, at that moment, you're sitting there thinking, well, if Kiev's going to do anything, it's got to come from Jacarini. And, and lo and behold, he turns up and uh, gets it done. It's one one at halftime. Uh, on a uh, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being Ballon d'Or winning, uh, rate Ronaldo's first half. Yeah, um, you know, overall, I mean, his first half wasn't bad. Uh, I thought he got better in the second half. In the first half, he's probably a 7, and that's because he had a couple, so a couple decent opportunities. Uh, unfortunately for him, there's a guy named Stefano Sorrentino that played, and he was he was a 15 in that game. Yeah. Uh, so I think that because of him, he made uh, Ronaldo look not as good. But I thought Ronaldo had a decent performance, and I thought his second half was better. We'll get to that. But his first half, I'd give him a seven, yeah, maybe six I was, or seven. I was, I was I was at about a six for him for the first half. I wasn't wowed, um, but he wasn't he wasn't awful. So um, second half, a, a collision in the penalty area, and Joao Cancelo is guilty of a foul in the penalty area. They called a penalty on Juventus, Richard. Yeah, not a penalty a, a for Juve, a penalty a on Juve. I had to look back and like, wait, wait, what? They called that? Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was a good call, but uh, yeah. And Giacolini steps up, makes it two one. Um, Kievo is defending for their life, trying to keep that lead. Juve adjusts by bringing Mandzukic on as their nine, and they move Ronaldo over to the left. And Juve looked a lot better uh, in terms of how they flowed, uh, you know, how they attacked, and um, uh, you know says speaks speaks volumes when you actually have somebody that's good at being a point man and being a reference point and can hold things up you know Ronaldo that's not him he he's going to play from that position he's going to bend away from the ball and he's going to get into positions where he can detach from the defenders get the ball and then go at them um you know now you have Mandzukic holding things up he can play Ronaldo he can play Dybala he can play guys in and uh Hugh, they were starting to generate some more dangerous champ- chances, particularly the Ronaldo and the two on goal that you alluded to, uh, that Sorrentino came up with excellent saves on both occasions. Uh, but it would be a corner in the 75th minute um, and uh, headed in by Mattia Bani. Um, problem is Mattia Bani headed it into his own net. Uh, yeah. Leonardo Benucci tried taking the credit for the goal. Nice try, Leo. Um, <laughs> and it was 2-2. Uh, getting into stoppage time, a nasty collision between Ronaldo and Stefano Sorrentino. Uh, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist because it was an accident, but I'd like to just have a little fun and say Ronaldo was just so frustrated he's just decided to punch <laughs> break the guy's nose. So, <laughs> Before we get to that, because you know, the goal was scored on that play, what did you make of that whole uh, running to the goalie goal disallowed? Because of all teams, of a goal being disallowed, Juve was not the team you would think would happen to. So what'd you make of that whole thing? Do you think it's a good call? I thought they were going to let it stand. I, 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 no, I, I thought it was a good call, but the, the trials and tribulations we went through with VAR last season, right? I thought they were going to let it stand. So, um, you know, uh, I, I just, this is very typical when you think about what happened last season with Katya Tori, um, with the stars lining up, right? It's late in the game. Uh, Juventus privilege, all this other stuff. They're going to give it to him. I watched. They're just going to give it to him. 
So I was just, I was wonderfully surprised when they didn't give it to him. When <laughs> when they took it away from them, I thought, wait, what? I, th- I actually thought it was a bad call. I was like, wait, that, that goal should have counted. And then the more I saw the replay, then I was like, oh, okay, he really did get hurt there. And okay, that's a good call. I mean, it's a head injury. Absolutely stop the play. Goal shouldn't have counted. And the only reason it was in because he got knocked down. So at first, like I said, at first I thought it was, it was a bad call, but then the more I saw the replay, I agreed with you and, every, and the referee, thinking, okay, that was a good call, goal disallowed. Andrea Seculin had to come in for Sorrentino, uh, and well wishes to Sorrentino on a speedy recovery. That, uh, that, that, that face looked like it got chopped up pretty good, um, just looking at some of the Twitter pictures. So um, he comes in, barely has a chance to stretch or even kind of – do a little side-to-side movement or any kind of thing to get limbered up, uh, and uh, wasn't able to get any of this in before this happened. Juve still going, and they might just snatch it, you know, because there is Bernardeschi in the 93rd minute. What drama on the opening day. Federico Bernardeschi with the winner uh, in the 93rd minute. Um unsung hero in this game not just because he scored a winning goal pretty influential in this game Bernadeschi yeah he ended up with a goal and an assist um I think the whole game changed not only when Mario Mandzukic came onto the pitch but more importantly when Cuadrado went out and Bernadeschi came in you know the whole formation changed the attack became more lively uh Ronaldo moved out to the left which I kind of thought was going to happen when Mandzukic came out um and so it was uh Attack was much more lively. Ronaldo looked a lot better in the second half, as did the whole team. They had, you know, very, very good chances. Sorrentino was definitely keeping Kievo in it. Uh, but Bernadeschi, he just had, had a little fire underneath him, and he was, uh, he played very, very well, and it's always fitting that he's the one who got the game winner uh, with minutes remaining. So good for him. It's good to see, because last year he had a, a bit of a tough season, I thought. Um, but, you know, this is a good way to bounce back in May. Maybe he has a bounce back season and. We'll see the money, the reason why Juve bought him because there is talent there. It's just he was very inconsistent all year last year. Yeah, and uh, I think it's some of it's the pressure of going to a new club with some of the big expectations. You know, now he gets into the preseason under his belt. He gets a little more acclimated with, uh, you know, with his teammates and you know with how things have shifted with that attack and how that how things have shifted with those players. Um, you know, there's a real opportunity for him. Um, you know, there's certain things that Juan Cuadrado offers. Uh, you know, there's certain things that Bernadeschi offers on that position. Um, you know, ideally, you know, Juan Cuadrado is a right-footed, right-sided winger that's right-footed, and you've got Joao Cancelo trying to get around him, and things kind of get crowded a little bit with both of those guys trying to figure out where the space was. I made the comment in the first half that the Alexandro and Douglas Costa combination in the first half was 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 probably the most impressive part of Juve's system in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you could see Cuadrado and, and, and Cancelo getting in each other's way a little bit. So then when Bernadeschi comes on, who's a left, left-footed player and can cut in, now there's that room for Cancelo to be able to go out and operate and do some of the crossing and do some of the damage that he did when he played for Inter, uh, in the second half of last season. Um, you know, so let's, let's, let's finish before we get to Lazio and Napoli. Okay, we talked about, okay, I had him at a six, you had him at a seven after the first half. So, you know, bump him up a point for some of the chances that Ronaldo created in the second half, uh, uh, would you say? Because I'd give him a seven, seven and a half for, for this game. Um, I mean, he was, he was solid and he was, 
he made himself a presence in certain moments, but he wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Ballon d'Or winning that, that we're going to expect that in the first game. But um, that's where I fall probably about seven, seven and a half for him in his first game as a Juve player. What do you think? Um, Actually, I was, you know, I think Sorrentino made him look lesser than he actually was. I'm going to give him an eight. Um, I was quietly impressed with, with Ronaldo and especially in the second half, I thought he was creating chances. He was starting to take the game to Kievo. I think if had had uh, Sorrentino been an off day or maybe a lesser goalie, he would have scored a couple goals in that game just because the shots were on target. Uh, like I said, Sorrentino was definitely on his game until he went out for the injury. So um, because of that, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him an eight. Uh, even though he didn't do much out there score-wise, statistic-wise, I did like what I saw out there from him. And he was very much engaged in the match. And I wanted to see his reactions when other teammates scored. And he was in there. He was celebrating. He was happy. So... That was good to see. That that has nothing to do with the rating, of course, but um, agreed. Yeah. Um. The uh, my my first impression of Juventus is uh, this might t- this is going to take a little while for Juve fans to get what they really think they should get from this Juventus team with Ronaldo in it, with Joao Cancelo in it. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, and that's, it's also hard to judge it by Kievo. I mean, Kievo, it's the first game of the season. You know, Kievo's going to be up for it. You know, they're facing, you know, Ronaldo of all people and, you know, the reigning seven-time champions. So they're obviously going to play better than than they're, they should during the season. So uh, it's very hard to judge that first game. And Juve are going to take some time to get used to everybody, all the new faces and new bodies. So um, it, it's, it's definitely hard to judge for this first game. Sure. Uh, I think they'll they'll need some time, especially because they're going to see that kind of low block defending a lot this season. So... Uh, Allegri will have to come up with a lot of different options to unlock it. Um, and, uh, you know, on a different day, they, they bag four or five before Kievo even gets there first. So, uh, you know, just the way, just the way it works sometimes, but Kievo's strong performance really, uh, you know, put their season into this really, uh, wanted to, you know, wanted to prove that they didn't make up the numbers and it was a, a good performance from them. We're still not expecting, uh, we're still not expecting the most from them this season, but uh, at least uh, they can they can for uh, for a little while here hold their heads high for uh, how they performed in this game. They they carried out their tactics for the most part. Juve was just too much for them. They'll need Jacarina to get a goal and assist in every game like he did in that one. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna chance. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna have to be an absolute monster this season for Kievo to survive, and I just don't think that's gonna happen. I think no. that that little body of his is gonna break down at some point. So. So anyway, so that was Kievo Juve, uh, and you want to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Signor Ancelotti's homecoming. Yeah, so despite what Juventina may tell you that the, the, the Kievo-Juventus game was a match of the weekend, it was actually, in fact, Lazio against Napoli. Lazio last year finished fifth place, a, a remarkable blow-up at the last game of the season, losing to Inter, losing that Champions League spot. They would host uh, Napoli runners-up of last year. Uh, to Juventus, uh, this you know the big news for Lazio on this one was that they kept Sergei Milinkovic Savic. I mean that's that that was important. Uh, that was vital along with you know keeping Immobile. Uh, as for Napoli, you know they lose Pepe Reina, lose a couple other bodies, but hey, Carlo Ancelotti is now leading the helm. Many wondered, especially me, how this the the, the contrast in and coaching tactics from Sarri to Ancelotti would would face. You know Napoli is still clearly a, a very good team. And so you had two high potent attacking offenses going at each other. You very well could have saw a five four game for all we knew. I mean, uh, the, the way these teams attack, they play some of the most beautiful, beautiful soccer football on the peninsula. So 
it was a mouthwatering matchup, you know, coming into the game. And the game kind of lived up the hype minus the goals. Um, this one, uh, it's it started early for Lazio. Lazio, I would say, Frank, uh, if, you know, agree with me or not on this one. In the first maybe half hour of the game, it was all Lazio, and they seemed to be taking it to it. I guess they're feeding off the crowd. Um, it seemed that Napoli were more on their back foot on the first. Uh, is that what you saw? Yeah, you know what? It was um, it was strange. I, I, you know, and I was trying to gauge it. I think there was a lot of Napoli fans on Twitter that were very hard on their team. Um, you know, versus first of all, you're, you're away to Lazio, and I understand Lazio's home form wasn't the best uh, last season. Um, you know, so this is a you know this is a top six matchup when you think of the six big clubs uh, in Serie A. Um, you know, and Lazio had a lot that they wanted to prove, certainly under Simone Inzaghi. So uh, I, was there a little bit of uh, timidness and a little bit of a lack of, uh, you know, certainty of themselves with Napoli in those first few minutes? Yeah, I saw that a little bit. But I also saw, you know, Lazio as a home team trying to set a tone and get off to a good start. Yeah, and part of me wondered if Ancelotti kind of put a, a, the tactic in to say, you know, Lazio are going to come out hot. Let's just sit back for a minute, let them wait, you know, draw their energy out and then they'll hit him back with a counter um and so Lazio they kept pushing in it and it was in the 25th minute when uh Chilo Immobile read the play from the defensive end beautifully at the other end Immobile dealing with three beating them all and Lazio have a deserved lead prolific last season it's taken him less than 25 minutes to break his duck in the new campaign that is quite magnificent outpaced the three Napoli defenders gets the ball over the top with three guys around him and somehow gets by them Frank and scores a beautiful goal the goal of the weekend in my opinion how did Koulibaly Albiol and and Husay miss that um one against three it that one player should be taken down and Immobile gets by all three and scores a beautiful goal I was very very grouchy about the um uh 11 sports through ESPN plus uh, pundit uh, Gary Bertels, uh, but um, he's accurate on this. That was some of the worst defending that he's ever seen. It was some of the worst defending I've ever seen. Now, granted, beautiful move by Immobile, uh, you know, to create that space and to finish, um, you know, but uh, all three players going at the ball in that situation is criminal. I mean, that's stuff you want to try to teach seven and eight-year-olds. I mean, yeah, it's my kid, soccer. Yeah, my kid's going to be seven. Said one defender to the ball. Everybody else try to balance it out and back them up. Or, you know, cover for them. You know, give some balance. Um, you know, so that if he does get past the one to the ball, some the next man's there to step up. But they all chased and they got punished for it. And if he, Chiro Immobile is going to punish you in that situation, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, you got to give credit to uh, Acerbi on the assist on that one. Beautiful long play. Just, you know, he, he's had the foresight to see uh, Immobile streaking past the defense to get that. And overall, it was a beautiful goal. Uh, but I thought after the goal, which was in the 25th minute, that Lazio kind of sat back after that. It seemed that that or Napoli said, you know what, we're done with this. We're going to start playing our ball. And they, they were back to playing beautiful football that we we're expecting out of them. Um, I don't, I, there's, I'm sure there's some people out there that think they weren't going to play that kind of football again, but it's, it's, it's in their DNA as the Semper and Napoli boys have, well, I'm sure they've said n- numerous times. Um, and so 
Napoli got on the front foot and they they, they pretty much flipped the game on its head. They they, they almost they started boss in possession uh, in that game. There was a play on the I think it was like the 35th minute. Um, ball bounces around. Arkadiusz Milik gets a goal, which is what Napoli fans are screaming for, right? It's stay healthy and get some goals. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the goal was called off, Frank. Another VAR, uh, another VAR decision that they got right. Absolutely. Um, and you know what? Uh, for the first time since VAR has been implemented, VAR is a winner to me this weekend. Uh, I think they ju- they got just about every call right this weekend. Yeah. And I, I can't think of one that changed the game or change you know changed the dynamic and uh, or was it, incorrect. Yeah, it served its purpose and it existed for why it's supposed to exist. It did not create controversy this weekend, and that's what we want out of VAR. Don't create controversy. Get it right. And uh, and they did. They did here. They did on the uh, no goal for uh, Juve, too. Absolutely. And so just when we thought that, you know, despite, you know, Napoli switching the game on its foot, on its back heel uh, for Lazio, it it looked like we we're going to go to halftime one nothing. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the little magician, Lorenzo Insigne, gives this perfectly lofted pass across the defense to Callejon on the back post who found a wide-open Milik, and he's not going to miss this. Insigne with an excellent ball over the top, and Milik makes it 1-1. This one will count, and Napoli are back on level terms right on the stroke of halftime. Milik, uh, what we can see from there is that he got denied a goal early, but he looks like he is ready to score some goals this season, Frank. Vintage uh, Napoli on that goal, at least from what we've seen. A a recent vintage at that. I, you know, I even you, you, you kind of stole my thunder a little earlier when you're talking about Saudi ball being in a Napoli player's DNA, and I had said that as well to the Semper Napoli guys on Twitter. I think I said it to Ken. I said, "Look, you're probably not a 90 point plus team this season, but the, you have a collection of players that know Saudi ball. They've had it ingrained in them, and anytime they want to go to it on the pitch, and I don't think they do it despite Carlo Ancelotti. I think Ancelotti's cool with that kind of football being played um, because." I think if, if, if there's anything Ancelotti is, he's a flexible manager when it comes to tactics. And if we got, if you got to get to that type of football to try to get a game back or try to get something out of it, then so be it. Turn turn the guys loose and let them have at it. And I think that Ancelotti is very smart in allowing that to happen. Um, you know, and then where Ancelotti comes in is the more seasoned and experienced manager. Okay, who can all right do some tweaking, do some substitutions and we'll talk about this in the second half but I thought Diawara coming on for Hamsik was at the perfect time. Um you know you know an absolute masterstroke. Now you get a you know a bit more of a hard man in that in that register role. Um you know sitting in front of the back four. Uh so you know that's that's the Napoli you're going to see. You're going to see those flashes of Saudi ball turn up to get them in front to get them the results and then you're going to see Ancelotti you know, pull the reins a little bit and make the right decisions and make the right adjustments. It's funny, you know, I'm coming into the season, I wasn't sure how the tactics would la- line up with Lazio. And you make a you make a very great point. Uh, despite how pragmatic Ancelotti can be at times, um, he's built for cups, right? And so if you've seen it before when he's joined teams that have this high high powered attacks, he just lets them play. And then when it comes to tournament time, that's when he that's when he his influence comes into the match. Um, so like like a Bayern Munich, he had an offensive team. Real Madrid, uh, even Chelsea. Um, so he he'll let them play, but when it comes down to tournament time, that's when you'll see his master masterpiece come out, and that's when he'll he'll shore things up and make sure that everybody's astute and where they're supposed to be, not giving up goals. 
so uh, you know, watching this game, you very much saw that Napoli players they were full effect, just dominating the game, playing beautiful, beautiful football. Uh, so we'd go into the halftime one to one. Napoli clearly on the front foot at this point. Um, second half would begin, not much would change, um, and then finally we get a, a lead change. Finally, uh, for Napoli. Husai kicks it into the box. Uh, Alan with a, a beautiful deflection, whether he meant it or not. Uh, but it ended up, it went right to the superstar. Conservative approach as Hisai plays it in. Alan flicks it down, and it's a brilliant strike from Insigne that gives Napoli the lead for the first time in the game. They've come from behind. A Lazio trail to a moment of real quality. Stunning finish. Lorenzo Insigne with a beautiful play shot in the far top corner. Frank, uh, what a goal by Lorenzo Insigne. And, and at that point, you'd have to say game over, right? Well, I mean, it was 2-1. I don't, know about, I don't know about game over, but certainly, you know, Napoli were the better team. We're playing like, we're performing like the better team. And it didn't seem like Lazio had an answer. It didn't seem like, I don't even think Simone Inzaghi adjusted. You know, and, and, and if he did, it was a subtle adjustment here or there, you know, almost as if he was, um, you know, comfortable with losing 2-1 to Napoli, uh, dare I say it, um, which is, uh-oh, Talazio fans, if that's the case. Um, so, great goal, uh, again. And uh, Alan, uh, I'm going to say he meant it, because Alan, to me, was the best player on the pitch in this game. Um and uh, when you take a look at the total package, yes, Insigne came up with a beautiful delivery to Callejon on the on the equalizing goal, scored the winner, and y- he played a very prominent part. But Alan Alan's work rate was just phenomenal uh, in this game. One balls, got things started, um, got an assist, whether he knew about it or not. Uh, but uh, just just a real engine room. I think he blew up a lot of things at Lazio. Uh, wanted to do and I think that he's exactly the kind of player that will thrive uh, you know in an Ancelotti system since we're talking about Alan and we ha- we do have a question that we were going to save to the end but since we're talking about Alan let's just bring it up now uh, Frank Sidekick uh, from the Central Napoli boys he asked the question if Sergei Milinkovic Savic is worth 120 million how much is Alan worth um, I mean it's you can't put a money on the work rate and how much this guy means I mean you can put a price down but uh, obviously, statistics are what drives the prices, right? But Alan, he's every bit as worth as uh, SMS or anybody else's because what he does, he's that engine room guy, like you said, and he's the box box guy. He's their first guy defensively, first guy in defense trying to help out, like with that assist and the goal. Uh, he's such a pivotal player for them. As much as Jorginho was last year, Alan was just as every bit of important as as he was. Don't you think? Um, I agree with that. Um... The problem is, is that, you know, when you're talking, if you're looking at it from a Euro's perspective or a dollar's perspective, you know, Allen is an engine room guy where Milinkovic Savic does, a, you know, is a bit of a multi-tool, um, you know, in terms of attacking, in terms of shooting from, you know, distance and passing and a lot of the other things that, that he can do. So you can see why a Sergei Milinkovic Savic, people will pay $120 million for someone like that because, you know, he seems to have a little bit more of a glamorous role. Not much of one, but a little bit more. Um, Alan, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I can put a value on, on what he's worth. Um, you know, I, if I was a buying man, if I was a buying, uh, if I was a buying owner, if I had a club, I'd 
And I had 60, I had 60 available. That's what I'd offer. I'd probably get turned down, but that's what I'd offer. I was going to uh, ask you, cause I know a couple of years ago we were talking about, you know, offering 70, 80 million for Nyangalan and. And he goes for 38. Right. Yeah. So 38. So, I mean, yeah, you offer 60. He's probably somewhere in between that 30 to 60 range, depending on what the owner, how much money the owner wants at the time. Um, I, he's, his value is more towards the 60 for sure. I mean, He's such a pivotal player for a team, and and he he's a heart of a team as well. He can help a team when a team is slumping. Just his work rate alone will will inspire guys to play harder. So uh, it's it's hard to put a value on a, on a player like him. Let me ask you this um, about Sergey Milinkovic Sergey Milinkovic Savic. Did he give you this casual, what am I still doing here kind of vibe with his performance? I got a little bit of that, but I also got a little bit of, you know what, my shit don't stink, and I can just, you know, take the, take my time and because a couple of times he got the ball like on a left flank or whatever, and he'll just bring, he allow the defender to come to him and then try to pull off a trick move to get by him. And granted, he got by like two guys at one point, uh, but it, it was a little bit of both, I think, you know, both yeah. you know he's pissed to be there, but also also wanted to say like, you know what, I am an elite athlete or elite superstar here in, in in football, and I'm gonna start acting like it. So. Uh, reading his own, he's reading reading his press clippings a little too much. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just I thought he was I thought he was poor on Saturday, and uh, I uh, just kind of looking at him, looking at his body language, and kind of looking at how he conducted himself. It was not even close to even his his most average performances last season. Yeah, um, best player I think for Napoli for Napoli for Lazio was Chido Immobile. Obviously, he's back on the score sheet. Yeah, uh, turn a feed off of that Capocanieri, uh equaling performance with Icardi last year, uh, but also it was good to see Correa get making his debut. He came on for Baday, uh late in the game. I think a 68th, 70th minute, something like that. Um, it ended up being you know too much for for Lazio. Napoli won two to one, but um, yeah, I mean I, I don't think Lazio is going to be a bad team this year. They're probably going to be somewhere with what they were last year. Jekyll and Hyde, you know, high high potent attack. And a suspect defense, and hopefully, you know, for their sake, that they shore up that defense, right? Because that's kind of yep. what was their their Achilles' heel last year, especially in the Europa League and in the last game of the season, for sure. And one more for me on Lazio. A lot of chatter about this among the Napoli faithful, and I hear it a lot. Uh, you know, listening to the Sempre podcast, um, I'm trying to listen to other people's podcasts out there, people. So, you know, recommend me some if you're out there in Twitter land that just of clubs. Okay, I mean, I've I've got some Milan ones. I've got a couple of Milan ones that I enjoy listening to. I obviously enjoy listening to the Sempre Napoli podcast. I hear this a fantastic Schalke podcast, but that's just me. If I, if I actually gave a shit about Bundesliga, <laughs> I'd listen to it. So, um, I've got a lot of German friends that if they have to, if they ever hear that, oh boy. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so Marek Hamschick in the Regista role. Uh, first impressions. Uh, I watched more of it in the preseason when, and I wasn't really impressed. However, in this game, I thought he did, he did, he did pretty well. He did okay. Um, it wasn't what you, what, you know, you hope that's not the final product. Um, and I think, you know, having Diawara there, Diawara, I think will ultimately play the Regista role better, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I think Mark Hamshik is better more on the, on the left side of the midfield or something like that. But, uh, in the Regista role, he didn't do he didn't do bad. I, he did worse in, in the preseason, but again, it's preseason. It really doesn't matter. I mean, maybe just getting used to the position and whatnot. Uh, but I, I gave him I gave him a decent rating. He probably probably like a a six and a half in that game or something. No, he he didn't 
he didn't do anything terribly and offensively he he contributed there some some so um like i said he's gonna he's gonna be do well in that position for now as he learns how to play but ultimately i think the awada is going to be the man to play that position let me remind you that andrea pirlo was a trequatista before ancelotti coached him and then dropped him and dropped him back into that regista role now i'm not going to sit here and say that hamjik is the second coming of andre andre pirlo no but I think that it's when, – when I listen to Napoli fans talk about this, I think it's a – they're used to him doing one thing or they're used to him playing a role in a system. They're not used to this, and I think it's a – there's a newness to it that their their first reaction is, I hate it, put him back on the left. But I, I, I think it can work uh, for two reasons. One, it can probably help prolong his career. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, you know and I think that – that's one of the forward-thinking things you do when you're when you're talking about somebody like Hamsik, who's been there for nearly forever. Too, it provides an opportunity for a Pietro Zielinski to get more playing time because I thought Zielinski was useful. Um, I thought he played very well in that game when he was when he was out there, and I thought that that brought a different dynamic to Napoli. Now you've got Diawara who can play a couple of positions in that three-man midfield. I don't think he has to be the out and out regista. If you can continue to make this work, it's going to be one of those that I'm going to tell the Napoli fans, be patient. I think this is going to be a success with repetition. Um, yes. It's not going to be a genius thing right off the bat. Um, you know, but uh, uh, Ancelotti's had a habit of doing this with a certain other player and um, and made it work. So this will not work to an probably not going to work to an under a pure low level, but it's going to be effective enough for this current Napoli squad. So that's where I see it. Very good, very good. Um, so we had some other matches in this in this weekend, huh? Other than those first two on the Saturday. Yeah, let's round it up here, uh, and they all took place on Sunday. It opened with uh, Torino playing host to Roma. Big expectations for Torino this season with what they were able to put together in the Mercato, maybe making a push for the Europa League place. Uh, Roma, uh, a lot of us, you know, here at Syria, Syria sit down at least, think they're going to fall out of the top four. Um, you know, so a big game on prospect for both teams. Uh, very competitive game here between uh, between Torino and Roma, but it ended in the 89th minute. Uh, Justin Clivert, the new signing for Roma, I'm the one who said in the preview pod, watch out for this kid. Uh, they're raving about him, and rightfully so. Brilliant uh, assist uh, on a wonderful volley goal by Aiden Dzeko. Roma take the win by a goal to nil. Uh, let's go through the other scores here. Um, uh, and then we had uh, four games that were all being played at the same time. Uh, Bologna and Spal. Uh, that was one nil to Spal. Uh, very disappointing start for people in Zaghi uh, with the Rosso Blue. Uh, Yasmin Kurtic with a great goal there. for Oh, some great goals this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Couple of new boys, uh, a couple of the new boys getting off to some good starts. Empoli, look, they're scoring goals. 2 0 win over Cagliari. Uh, it was uh, Krunic um, who opened the scoring in the 14. Roddy Krunic and then Francesco Caputo. I have to check and see if I'm related to this guy. My mom's maiden name is Caputo. So, <laughs> he led you know, Serie B in goals last year and he seems to continue in Serie A this season. Uh, so hopefully, for Empoli's sake, uh, what, uh, great performance by the team for sure. If I if if I find out that he's related, I'll see if I see about getting him getting a jersey from him with an autograph. So or just get him on the show. Hey, why not? We'll do an Italian podcast. <laughs> yeah, we could we could try we we could try to do that. So, um, but uh, but yeah, if he's if if it's the, the Caputos that hail from the Potenza uh, uh, region outside of Naples, then 
it's very, very possible. So uh, another new uh, another new team getting off to a good start to the promoted team, Parma, uh, getting out to a 2-0 lead. Uh, R- Richard's boy, Roberto Inglese, getting a goal in the 43rd minute, uh, followed by Barilla in the 59th. Uh, but Udinese finally get it back on track, a penalty by Rodrigo de Paul in the 65th minute, followed by the equalizer uh, and a well-taken a well taken one by Seiko Fofana yeah. uh, for a 2-2 draw there. And then the shock at the Mape, Sassuolo won, Inter nil, a Domenico Berardi penalty uh, against a rather listless Inter, Richard. Yeah, and it's it's kind of what Milan went through last year with all the new signings. Uh, they're still getting, getting, you know, trying to get used to each other, I guess. And uh, yeah, I don't know what to make of Inter. They just didn't seem prepared for the match, or maybe Sassuolo was just playing that damn well. Yeah, uh, they they look inspired, and there's some decent pieces to that team. So um, you never know. And we we talked last week in the preview about Roberto De Zerbi and you know transforming Benevento from shitty to just bad. Um, even though they were stuck in 20th place all season, you know, and now he's getting a, a, a team with some pretty decent pieces over there at Sassuolo. So uh, it also should be known that Sassuolo is a bogey team for Inter. I think this is like four straight losses to, to the uh, Nero Verdi for, uh, uh, for Spalletti's men. The Nero so. Verdi have both Milan squads numbers in, in the past few years, it seems like. Yeah. Um, they've all gotten both those teams for some crazy games. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Luciano Spalletti has uh, been taking classes at the Jose Mourinho School of Managing. Just when you lose, <laughs> blame the pitch. Uh, blame the other team's pitch. Say it was a potato patch and uh, and get on with things. And then uh, Monday night we had Atalanta and Frosinone. Uh, and uh, it was just uh, all Papu Gomez. That's all you need to say. Uh, the guy was an absolute beast in this game. And they beat Frosinone 4-0. A brace for Gomez, uh, and uh, sandwiched in between his two goals were uh, he assisted for Hans Hatebor, great goal, uh, oh, yeah. featured in our goals of the week clip on YouTube. Uh, and uh, Mario Pasolic, boy, is he going to be? He's going to be a good one for Atalanta this season on loan from Chelsea. He's got the Serie A experience. He's got Gasparini. Yeah, they're not going to miss Cristante with this kid. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's my hot take. So. Um, Atalanta four, Frozen Nona nil. So out of that batch, um, what uh, what got your attention, Richard? Um, it's good to see Empoli scoring, Empoli scoring and winning as well as Spal. Uh, for me, Parma, you know, they came out guns blazing, two nothing lead, and they should have won that game, and they let it, you know, they blew it away. Um, you know, all credit to Udinese for sticking in there. I thought when Udinese went down two nothing, they they were going to get blown out, and they stuck with it. Um, Powell scored a goal to get, get him back within one. And then, like you said, Fofana scored that goal. Uh, it was overall a good performance, but I thought it was, uh, uh, Parma could have done better. They should have had that game. The way they were playing in that game, they should have wrapped up all three points and they didn't. So unf- that's unfortunate. And then obviously the Inter Milan game. Um, I'm surprised, but I'm not. I shouldn't be, I guess. Um, we know looking on paper, uh, again, very similar to what Milan was last year. On paper, they they should win every time, right? Or most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to gel together. And the the question is, how how long will it take for them to gel? I think they'll gel much quicker than the Milan did, Milan squad from last year did, because um, there's a lot of core players that were there before. You got Icardi and Perisic still. So um, it's just uh, I think that may be a wake up call for them. And look at now, maybe Deserbi, he may. Uh, he may be a manager of the year with uh, if he keeps making performances like this with Sassuolo. That's a it was a quality performance by them for sure. Kevin Prince Boateng looked competent. 
Uh, Berardi did not get a red. He even scored a goal. So uh, it, it's good things coming from Sassuolo. And it's, uh, it, it's, uh, last but not least, uh, Atalanta, two goals, two assists, Papu Gomez. That team, they just keep they keep moving. They had a, what, 6-1, 7-1 victory in Europa League playoffs. And then they you know backed that up with the first game crushing a Frosinone. Um, wow, I'm, I'm excited to see Atalanta this year again. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Roma, uh, thwarting off what I think is going to be a very, very pesky Torino team this season um, and, and, and getting a 1 0 win. And so far, uh, you know, proving us wrong. Uh, you know, it took a late winner for Jacko. Torino played really well in this game. Uh, but, um, you know, it was. Uh, Jekyll rising to the occasion, maybe not as uh, dramatic as Manolas against Barcelona, but certainly, uh, you know, a, a fantastic volley goal, uh, it has to be said, uh, and three big points. And, um, you know, we can we can gloss about Inter all we want, but I think that this was uh, a very disappointing night for Bologna uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, if, if they're making that leap and they're doing these signings and doing all of these things, and this is the three points, these are three points that they have to have. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it still shows you that for, you know, they had to, they parted from Simone Verde. They still have some players in place. People in Zaghi still trying to learn his team a little bit. There's maybe some of that going on, but the talent's there. Um, and uh, you should beat, if you've, if you've done some of the things that Bologna have done in the summer, you should beat Spall. Um, and you should beat him at home. So, you know, a, a dud of a performance. And, and, and really, uh, you know, uh, the, the promoted teams are all over the place. And uh, certainly not, you know, I didn't think Frozenoni was going to go to Atalanta and win, uh, but I didn't think that also. I also didn't think they'd get hammered. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, you know, I still think that they're the one likeliest to survive out of all of these. I think I think Cagliari are just bad, and Empoli got to take advantage. And um, you know, Parma, you know, let a two 0 lead slip, and they can't afford. You know, if we're if we're calling them the twentieth place team at the beginning of the season. They can't afford to drop two points like this when they have them in the bag. They've got to find a way to go ahead and get them. So um, a lot of very interesting um, uh, storylines here with uh, with match week one. Now for uh, the games that did get postponed, uh, just a uh, program, you know, just a note for, you know, on behalf of Serie A, Sampdoria and Fiorentina will be replayed at the Luigi Ferraris at on September 19th. Uh, and Milan and Genoa will play at the San Siro on Halloween, Richard. Yeah, look at that, huh? October thirty first. So, um, you know, so if you go to your little uh, work office parties, go as your uh, favorite Milan or Genoa player to uh, uh, to get excited for the match if you want. So, um, before we get to the uh, listener questions, uh, Richard, and we've already covered one of them, um, we get ESPN Plus, and uh, aside from having a problem trying to get the Atalanta Frozenone game uh, streaming on my computer, uh, at least for, you know, streaming through uh, Fire Stick or Roku or whatever you're using through the ESPN app, um, the $50 has already been paid for with one in one week. What do you think? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was, saying, I was saying this on Twitter during the first game, for, uh, on Saturday during the first two games, is that I'm glad ESPN got it now looking at it because I have every game at my disposal. Like, I don't have to watch it live. I can watch a replay of it. Um, the cameras that ESPN use are far superior than any, any other company that's using cameras right now. And so the game looks much more crisper and clear. Um, you feel like you're at the game as opposed to just watching it on TV. Uh, the commentary could be better. Some of it was really good, but, uh, you know, the, like the Napoli game, the, the commentator was 
much to be desired. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I gave I'm going to give ESPN a, a 10 out of 10 rating for the performance of the game. They have a nice they had a nice little preview of the season before before that. Uh, they have a nice little snazzy like intro to the to each of the games. Um, I like it. I like what they're doing. And hey, for five dollars a month or fifty dollars for the whole year, you can't beat that at all. And so um, I'm ecstatic about it. Yeah, for our listeners out there, you can you can give up a happy meal a month at McDonald's for. Uh, for getting all the steady eye you want, it's 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 definitely worth it. So, yeah, I I uh, I'll give it an eight out of ten because I was disappointed that I couldn't get the Atalanta Frozenone game to stream through on my computer the other day. So and Matteo uh, Bonetti's on it now too. So hey, we don't miss him from last year. Now he's back. He's with. He's still with it. So yep, yep, we get him, uh, which is which is good. So a little bit of a familiar voice to kind of give us some continuity, which uh, which uh, certainly can't be a bad thing. Um, winner and loser of winner and loser this week, uh, here for Serie A. And I'm going to give you my winner and my loser, Richard. Winner is Papu Gomez, slam dunk, uh, with his performance against Frosinone. Two goals, two assists. Uh, you know, w- was the best player on the pitch in that game when I finally did get around to watching the replay. The best player on the pitch in that game, and I don't think there was a close second. Um, loser for me, and I'm going to go back to what I was talking about er- earlier Sergei Milinkovic Savage. Um, you are a 120 million euro rated player. Act like it. Play like it. You? No, that's uh, those are two very good ones. Um, I I want to say Papo Gomez, but I'm not. Just as you chose him, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go Federico Bernardeschi, uh, goal and assist. He was uh, as soon as he came on the pitch, he was pivotal for Juventus. The team kind of switched on, um, and so hopefully for his sake and the team's sake that. He'll have a bounce back season, like I said earlier. So one goal, one assist. That's my that's my um, my my pros and then my con. Um, I want to say Inter, but I'm going to give them a break on this week. I'm going to go Bologna. Um, you touched on it earlier. You know, for a team for what they did this summer with the talent they have, they should be playing better. Yeah, you yeah, Spal did well, but we none of us really picked Spal to do much this season. Yes, they got Yasmin Kurtic. He's a fantastic player. He scored a screamer of a goal, but you still should be doing better than that. Uh, and I, I fully expect Bologna to bounce back if they don't. Um, Inzaghi may be looking for a job uh, elsewhere very soon, but I don't. I expect them to turn it around. It's so much talent on the team. They have to. They yep. have to do better than that. Yep. Who are your winners and losers? Go to at Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. Uh, let's get to some listener questions. All right, fine. And I've got to yell at uh, our listeners to to get on Twitter and ask questions. I don't want to do that. I want to be nice, like right off the bat, and see a handful of questions. And then I only see Michael Lisi, our friend uh, over there at AC Milan. Michael, and the only one asking a question. So I have to retweet my tweet and say, "Damn it, come on, questions." Uh, and then you guys came through. Just don't make me get angry. <laughs> so. Um, but let's start with our friend at AC Milan, Michael. Two parts. One weekend, what preseason notion are you most concerned about and which one makes you look like a mad genius? Um, I will uh, – I'll go first on this, Richard. Okay. Um, I don't know if there's anything that from this first week that made me look like a mad genius. Um, but uh, I'm worried about – uh, I'm worried about um, Udinese's prospects as far as being that surprise team and being that threat. Uh, they played a very balanced game against Parma. Um, 
I don't want to get overly aggressive with answering this question because it's just been one game, but going away, I, I guess I can look at it glass half full. They did bounce back from 2-0 down to come back and draw, but they did it against the Parma team that we don't have a lot of hope for. Um, you know, so I'm worrying about my pick of Udinese maybe being, maybe being the most threatening. Um, and I, 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 at the moment, I can't think of anything that makes me look like a mad genius. How about you? Uh, there's not much that really concerned me. I mean, kind of like you, the Udinese with their performance. You know, luckily, they did come back in that game, but they, they stunk it up in the first half and maybe maybe three quarters of the game. And then uh, also Bologna, which I touched on just a couple minutes ago, um, both those teams should be doing better than what they did this past weekend. Um, as far as making me look like a mad genius, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a little credit on this one. Um, Empoli won, and I, I picked them for survival. Parma, they, I picked them for survival as well. They looked good in the beginning, but they did implode at the end. Uh, and then Frosinone, I had them finishing dead last, and they, they get, I didn't think they were going to get thumped by Atalanta, but um, that makes me look like I picked the right call, and most people picked them to survive. So sure. um, it's the one time of the year I'll probably get anything right, so I'm going to pat myself in the back for that. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I didn't think, like I said, I didn't think they were going to win it at Atalanta, but I also didn't think they were going to get thumped. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's get to uh, our friend uh, at, at K underscore Chofredi, Ken Chofredi. Uh, and Ken, if you're listening, um, this is uh, this is advance notice. I'm going to be reaching out to you to be a guest here uh, coming up on the Serie A sit-down, especially with Milan and Napoli. we got to hook that up, Richard. We'll, we got to get the Sempre boys uh, to do the next podcast with us. At Big least weekend one this weekend. At least one of them, yep. So who impressed you guys the most in week one, both individually and as a team? Well, I already said Papu Gomez uh, was my winner. Um, goes without saying, two goals, two assists. I think he was trying to angle for us to answer Allen or, or Lorenzo Insigne, uh, being that he's a Napoli <laughs> supporter. Um, but I'm going to say as a team, uh, Ken, here you go. Here's your olive branch, Napoli. Um, you know, Ancelotti's first game, had to expect some changes. Um had to expect some indifference to how they played, but they turned on the Saudi ball when they needed to and got the result. And Ancelotti showing some flexibility, knowing that, hey, that's okay to go to because that's what they know. And if that's going to help us get points, then great. So I was impressed with how they overcame the slow start and and uh, and, and turned it up and, and showed some vintage. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I, I'm kind of the same boat. I'm definitely in the same boat with you with Papu Gomez. How can you not be two goals, two assists? Uh, he he picked up where he where he left off last year. I mean, at this rate, if he keeps up this this performance, he could get 20 goals this year. Um, and you got Duvan Zapata in the mix as well. And he didn't get he didn't even get on the board, scoreboard this weekend. So look out for Atalanta and and overall as a team. I, you know, I wanted to say Napoli, and then I saw Atalanta play, and Atalanta they just impressed me because I didn't. Like you said, I wasn't expecting a four nothing win against Frosinone, mm-hmm. um, and they just they look really good. Gasparini does it again. Well, so far it's very young in the season, I know, uh, but he seems to find ways to get guys to play better than they're supposed to. I mean, Pasalic, like you said, could make uh, make them not miss Cristante at all. In defense, they got Toloi and other guys who make you forget about Caldara. So um, and Patania is not going to be missed too with Duvan Zapata. So it's going to be. Um, it's going to be an interesting season for Atalanta, and 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 you wonder now how are they going to how are they going to do better than last year? Last year they focused on Europa League, did well, but the Serie A suffered. Can can Gasparini find a happy medium between between the two? We'll see. Uh, but Atalanta is going to take the take the sweep of the awards on this one for me. Yeah, agreed. Agree with you there. Um, 
AC Milan Michael with another one. Do you consider having a game in hand going forward for the four teams that missed games a blessing or a curse? He's personally not a fan. Uh, folk, folks falsely see those as a win in hand. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll go first on this. I'd rather have the points. Um, you know, in any situation, I'd I'd rather have the points because so many things can go wrong with that with that game in hand. Where this stinks for Milan is now they don't have Hakan Chalhanulu for the Napoli game. Uh, he has to. He, he he now serves his suspension for that game. Uh, I wish there was a way they could have made it work to allow him to play that game and say, hey, he would have been able to sit and just exercise some common sense. But um, this is how this is what we have in front of us. So um, that's where Milan might be at a little bit of a disadvantage. It doesn't, but also in their case, it doesn't hurt for them to be the, I mean, in, at the first game of the season, Richard, to be the one sitting out and kind of getting a barometer of what everybody else is doing and then going back into training and somewhat reacting to that. I mean, Milan gets to sit and see, all right, Napoli had a very competitive match at Lazio. What did they do? How did they go about it? You know, and how do we set ourselves up accordingly when we go to the San Paolo? Um you know, Genoa, Sampdoria, Fiorentina, all probably feeling the same way about their opponents next week as well. So that's where I see the benefit in this particular case. It's in, in Milan's case, it stinks because Chalhanalu is going to be out for Napoli. Um, and then overall, to answer your question, Michael, I would rather have the points. Yeah, um, the benefits that you just mentioned are probably the only ones that are in this kind of scenario because I'm with you. I would rather have the points. Uh, we saw what happened last year with a couple teams who had their game suspended. And especially with the ones that were chasing Europa League and Champions League spots, and you know they had a game in hand, but you know that means that you have to get to the three points. And if you if you're counting on those three points and then you don't get to the three points, you get only one or you get none, you lose. Um, it hurts you, and so you're you're constantly chasing, and it, it wears on you mentally. And mm-hmm. um, I like I said, I would rather take the game right there, get the points, and then be done with it. You don't have to worry about all these scenarios and oh, if we win and they draw or we lose and what whatever. Um, just take the game now and, and go with it. I, I don't think these game in hands can help. Maybe in other sports, for sure, but uh, in, in calcio, I don't, I don't see it as a benefit. It's more of a worry, a worry and a detriment to your, to your, your psyche, really. And um, it's just uh, not for me. Uh, Fiorentina in a great spot. They host Kievo uh, next week. I just think that that's a Kievo is going to just totally blow up, yeah. let down game. Um, there at the but of course Kievo won that fixture four one last season. So. <laughs> You know, what do I know? Genoa hosts Empoli, uh, and then uh, Sampdoria travel to Udinese. So um, that's what they're all faced with um, uh, with their uh, with their game. So in, I think all three of those teams are probably in more comfortable situations than Milan, Milan are having to travel to the San Paolo um, without, without Chalhanulu. And our final question uh, from Viola Nation, how much more wonderful is Federico Chiesa than everyone else in city uh <laughs> i like the question it's, um, a, it's a good question you can answer it i'll you can answer it I'm just yeah um no federico chiesa hey, hey first of all fiorentina they might be the youngest team in syria and they're loaded with talent uh from the from back to front we already talked about uh alban alban uh lafont he is going to be you know the next great keeper possibly you know he's got the skill set of donnarumma and plizzari and other these young goalkeepers um, and then you go from the defense up to the attack, and Chiesa is just uh, he. Hopefully, he stays with Fiorentina. They need a, that city needs a, a, a hero like him to stay there and and thrive in that situation, just like his father sure. did. And um, I think with him and Giovanni Simeone, 
they got so much talent on that team. Very French influence with the players that they brought in. Pioli, this could be the right spot for him. I'm not hoping that not only Chiesa but um, Fiorentina have a have a, a better season than they did last year, more consistent and and maybe flirt with Europa League or even higher if they can. But um, yeah, Chiesa is a talent and he's going to be on the national team for many many years to come. And uh, I'm just excited to see this player both play on you know domestically but also on the national level. Yeah, very much agree with you. Very much agree with you there. I think that uh, I, I don't know if he's more wonderful than anybody else in Serie A, um, <laughs> but he's a talent, and uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what he contributes to La Viola this season. So, uh, those are our answers to your questions. Keep them coming for future podcasts at Serie A Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. And I will now step out of the way as Richard uh, conducts his interview with Adriano Del Monte. <laughs> And we're back with a very, very special guest. Uh, our guest is a sports TV presenter and journalist for Football Nation Radio. He does work for BN Sports as well, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, you also know him from other other areas like ESPN, Sky Sports, The Guardian. Syria sit down says, Benvenuto to Adriano Del Monte. Benvenuto, how are you? I'm doing quite well tonight. How are you? Very, very well, Richard. Thank you. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the highest scoring league in the world, and that is Serie A. And of course, I'm alluding to uh, Adriano. If you ha- if you haven't noticed that he uh, he he spoke for all of us Serie A fans back in uh, during the Champions League semifinals when uh, he spoke on uh, critiquing or responding to the quote unquote ESPN experts. Uh, but that's another story. We won't get into that, deep into that. Uh, let's get right into Serie A, man. Uh, before we get into the matches, actually, there's two postponements this weekend. It was uh, Genoa and the Sampdoria matches, Milan-Genoa, Sampdoria, and Fiorentina. What are your thoughts on this? And, and I ask you this because both Frank and I on Syria sit down. We, we're, we're believing in summation is that if you're going to postpone games, do it for the whole league, not just for a couple games, you know what I mean? Um, what are your thoughts on the, on the postponements of the two games? Yeah, look, I obviously a terrible tragedy there in general, what took place, uh, very sad for everyone involved. So you could understand immediately the measures that were taken by the two local teams in Genoa and Sampdoria to arrange the postponement. But I do agree with you there, Richard. I, I really believe that despite being so excited for the new Serie A season, I really strongly believe that the entire round should have been uh, postponed just for the opening match day. There was a uh, there were quotes that were going around between Massimo Ferrero, the president of Sampdoria, suggesting that he had spoken to the hierarchy at Juventus, being, of course, the club that played in the opening game against Chievo, and that Agnelli and those at Juventus had actually alluded to him that they weren't too happy playing on the day of what was the state funeral there in Genoa. So, in the end, I was quite surprised that the round entirely wasn't actually postponed, but... Look, in the end now, from a playing perspective, I really think that the likes of Milan, Genoa, Sampdoria and Fiorentina are unfortunately at a bit of a loss in these early stages, and particularly Milan, who now have to open their season against Napoli in what will be a very difficult encounter in uh, match day two. So, look, in the end, obviously the right decision by Sampdoria and Genoa, but I certainly would have liked to have seen the entire campaign uh, just postponed until match day two. No, absolutely. That's uh, very well said. 
Uh, so let's get into the rest of the action from the weekends. I'm going to read the scores real quick and then get your reactions. Uh, Chievo lost to Juventus 3-2. to uh, Lazio lost to Napoli 2-1. to um, Torino, they lost to Roma 1-0. Bologna lost to Spal 1-0. Empoli, returning back to Serie A, won 2-0 against Cagliari. Parma on the return, drew Udinese 2-2. Sassuolo beat Inter Milan 1-0 on a penalty kick from Domenico Barardi. And then today we had Atalanta winning 4-0 against Frosinone. So I'm going to ask you right off the top, any big surprises from the first weekend of matches? Well, there's obviously the one clear surprise, if you'd like to call it a surprise, with Inter going down to Sassuolo. Look, this is a very big season, I think, Richard, for Inter. This season bringing in some new faces and there's this new level of enthusiasm and excitement about the Nerazzurri. I was very disappointed that they went down despite playing against uh, a Sassuolo side that have been very credible in their own right in recent seasons and have added a few key players themselves. But the Berardi penalty on 27 minutes difference in the end, uh, look, I think Inter, without a number of their key players in this match, new signing Vasalko not featuring Nangolan, not featuring Perisic, uh, coming off the, the bench, and obviously Keita Balde as well off the bench. It's going to take some time for Inter, so I think the Nerazzurri fans do need to be patient. But I was very disappointed to see them go down and particularly not score a goal on the opening match day against the Sassuolo side who, yes, have been solid in recent seasons across the board, but last season not the strongest. So I'd like to see them improve very, very quickly, but obviously I will give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they do need some time to gel and blood these new faces. With Inter, do you think it's more of uh, what Milan faced last year with all these new players and just a slow start because the guys have to gel together? Uh, because obviously, if you look on paper, this should be a team that could c- contend for the Scudetto this year. Well, many are suggesting that, aren't they? Many are suggesting they'll push Juventus right to the wire, and I'm not one of those. I think Juventus will will take care of Inter this season just simply due to the fact that Inter historically have had these issues. So I don't necessarily think that it's certainly an element, as you touch on there, the new faces taking some time to gel, but I don't think it's as drastic as was the case with AC Milan 12 months ago. They've they've added some very nice players to this team. Asamoah coming in from Juventus, Lautaro Martinez, Obviously, the Argentinian there coming in to partner Icardi up top. They've got some new faces, but the, the core of the squad, particularly took uh, part at the weekend, very similar to what we saw last season. So I'm not going to give them the pass on that. I think that they <laughs> need to fix up the cultural setup that's going on in there because whatever has been happening in recent seasons, obviously still having some impact. But I still do have positive hopes for into this season. I think they're looking good for a top four finish again at the very least. Now, since we were just mentioning the champions, so let's talk about Kievo-Juventus. Uh, this wasn't the most flattering game for Juventus in terms of style. Um, they got out really quick in the third minute when Sami Kadiras got the lead for Juventus. Uh, Stepinski for Kievo equalized in the 38th. Emmanuel Giaccarini got the penalty kick, gave Kievo the lead 2-1. Everyone's thinking, uh-oh, do we have an upset here? Uh, but typical Juventus fashion, they, they claw back. This, that's what they do. They're champions. Um, some people say Leonardo Bonucci got the goal. Um, right now it's credited to Bani as an own goal. 
Uh, and then late in the game, uh, Bernadeschi with the game winner, literally in stoppage time. Uh, what did you make of Juventus's performance? Were you more impressed by Kievo and what they did coming out, or were you just saying this is this first game jitters for having Ronaldo and being the opening game of the season? It's a tough one. This one isn't a Kievo not tipped by many to do too much this season. Look, Juventus, they do what they do. They find a way to win, and, and that they did. And it's these wins which have separated them from the rest in recent seasons. Look, I think Kievo were exceptional. They really took it up to Juventus. And if there's anyone out there who actually predicted Kievo to go this close, well, maybe they should be being interviewed here because I certainly didn't think that they would get anywhere near Juventus <laughs> in, in this fixture. But look, credit to Kievo for the performance with former Juve players really wanting to perform well and, and score against their former club in Juventus. But I was very impressed by Kievo in this match and the I just felt that they really just came to play with a nothing-to-lose attitude and, and that may have uh, caused Juventus to, to play a, a little differently throughout the, the matches at war. I mean, obviously sat back, made life for Cristiano Ronaldo on debut very difficult. However, he still did have a sensational impact, I felt, on the game despite not getting the goal. Look, in the end, I was sued for Bernadeschi, a very young and talented Italian international who I really feel will be a key player for this Juventus side in the 2018-19 Serie A season. So I was thrilled for him to get the winner late on. But by being honest, don't read too much into it. I think this was just, a, just blowing the cobwebs out, blowing some steam off after a very long off-season and pre-season. I really feel that Juve will be bigger and better for the early test. And I think you'll see a different Juve side this weekend to take on Lazio. Yeah, and many, many detractors will say that Ronaldo didn't score, but I thought he had plenty of chances. It was just Sorrentino was playing out of his mind, especially against Cristiano. So I can't take anything there. Um, I thought, uh, you know, I was curious coming into this one, how would they play Ronaldo? Would, I thought he would be an out-and-out striker, but he's also been playing on the left wing when he was at Real Madrid. Um, so we saw a little bit of both of that because he started out the game as an out-and-out striker, and then when... Um, uh, Mario Mandzukic came in later in the match. He moved to his left wing spot. And then when Bernadeschi came in, it kind of like reignited the offense and they kind of, uh, put it to Kiev and more. Obviously they were desperate for goals, but, um, is this something you, you look forward to seeing the rest of the season or even more wrinkles from Allegri? What do you expect from, uh, from the tactician there in Juventus? Yeah, you're right. On the 64th minute when uh, Mandzukic was brought in for Douglas Costa, that was the moment where Ronaldo went out to the left wing. I think this one is very dangerous for Allegri and Juventus, if I'm being honest here. And the reason I say that is because if Ronaldo finds his comfort back on the left wing here at Juventus, the only centre forward that is in that squad is Mario Mandzukic. Now, obviously, the departure of Gonzalo Higuain means that they're down to one in Mandzukic. So I really believe that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo really must three or four, whatever the case is. I think he has to try and... Well, Allegri has to try and find a way to bring the best out of the new signing in that central role. Otherwise, they're very reliant on Mario Mandzukic, a player who has immense quality. I'm a big fan of Mandzukic myself. But if he were to go down and Ronaldo is finding his comfort on the left wing, then that leaves him very short of options up top. So I certainly agree that Juve looked even better when he did go on the left, Mandzukic in the middle and Bernadeschi on the right. But I think I... Ideally, going forward, they're going to want to be playing with a Ronaldo in the middle, Douglas Costa on the left, Bernadeschi or Cuadrado on the right, and Dybala in behind. I think that's going to be the best way to set up structurally going forward. But 
who knows what happens if he if he does start on the left wing this weekend and and scores a few goals. Well, I guess they might try and find a way to play him through there. Maybe look to play Dybala centrally as a replacement. I'm not so sure, but certainly some early questions uh, for Allegri to respond to. Absolutely. All right. Um, for those who are just tuning in, we're here with Adriano Del Monte of Football Nation Radio and BN Sports. Um, let's jump into, I think, one of the games of the weekend, Lazio against Napoli. Um, we saw some great team goals in this one. We saw uh, Immobile undress the Napoli defense for the first goal. Uh, and then Napoli seemed to switch on after that goal and took over. Um, first, on, first on the Napoli goal, or on the Lazio goal, what do you make of Immobile and his ability to get away from the three defenders like that? Yeah, incredible, really, really special finish. It, it sort of reminded me of the, the goal scored by Diego Costa for Spain uh, in the World Cup, one of those guys. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he's a special player in Morbidi, and look, obviously staying on with Lazio this season, as did Milinkovic-Savic, which is wonderful for the side who, of course, very narrowly missed out on Champions League football this season, losing to Inter on the final day of last season. So it's wonderful that Lazio have been able to keep hold of their two main men. And, I mean, what a way for him to, to start the season as he goes in search of another couple Canonieri award this time around. So, look, Lazio, I think, will be right up there despite a number of the top sides really reinforcing their squads this season. But, look, I thought it was a solid start for Lazio despite the defeat to, to a Napoli side who I really felt for large parts they played off the park. So, disappointing outcome, but... Good positive signs early on under Simone Inzaghi for the new season. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, talk about Napoli now. You know, coming into the season, I mean, I love what Napoli, how they play under Sari. Um, and I'm a big Ancelotti fan as a Milanista. Uh, mm. And so I was, I was curious to see how that, that, that would work because their coaching styles are so different from each other. But then when Lazio went up one nothing, it seemed that Napoli were back to what they normally did like last year, the last two years. And um, they kind of switched back. So you think... Ancelotti is going to be more in the type of let them play and just be more tactically astute, especially when it comes to the tournament matches like Champions League, or was just this uh, uh, Ancelotti masterpiece or something? How do you how do you how do you? Yeah, I, I think I think it's a bit of both. I think certainly he has to let them play. This has been a squad that have been playing a certain way for for the last few seasons now, and having not brought in too many key acquisitions. In the summer, obviously, they have brought in a couple of players, but no one of any significant note. I don't think that this side will be too comfortable changing the style that they play. So I think Ancelotti will certainly need to adapt to the new group of players that he has. Obviously, not as strong as, as his former club in Bayern Munich, but it's, a, it's an opportunity here for him to really adapt to the modern game and, and adapt some of Sadi's style from the, the previous seasons. I think the most impressive thing for me going forward for Napoli that I took from this game was the performance of Milik. Now, Milik is a player that I, I do believe has more of a role to play in the, in the Ancelotti setup yeah. and style than Idris Mertens. Now, Mertens a, a world-class caliber player, wonderful player at Napoli, but I really feel that Milik as the center forward as that attacking trio alongside Insigne, Kaleon, even Mertens, if they play him on a wing, that is the way that Ancelotti will tend to line up this season. So let's hope for Milik's sake and for Ancelotti and Napoli's sake that he can stay healthy and, and uh, injury-free. Obviously, a couple of injury-riddled seasons in the past. But I really feel that he's going to be the player to maybe Ancelotti-ize this Napoli side, if you like, <laughs> for, the, for the coming season. 
I like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was evident in that game that uh, Milik is here to score. He got the first goal taken away from him, and a couple minutes later comes back and gets a goal. So uh, this is, looks like good signs for Napoli to come. And even more good signs is Lorenzo Insigne in that game. Uh, beautiful pass and a beautiful goal in that game. Uh, he's going to be instrumental, if not the most instrumental player for them uh, this season, don't you think? Absolutely. Lorenzo Insigne, look, I... Every time I, I watch Lorenzo Insigne play, and I, I really do enjoy watching him play, obviously a very unique player in his own right, but I always tend to feel, to, to think to myself, why couldn't he do this for Italy? Because that is, that is something that the Italian national team really, really needed. It's that level of creativity and, and that level of spark. And when he's playing at, at his highest level, Napoli go to a different level altogether. So I think he's very important for Napoli this season, alongside, of course, Milik and, and all the other quality they have up top. And many out there are writing Napoli off, suggesting that they will, you know, they could potentially fall out of the top four and it will yeah. be a difficult season. But no, I tend to disagree with that. I think that Napoli still have a very strong core, despite losing, obviously, Jorginho. And I still have high hopes for them this season, too. Maybe not challenge for the Scudetto, but certainly challenge for a top two, top three spot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this, you know, the point total they had last year was just so amazing. It's going to be hard to replicate that, even for Juventus to replicate that point total. So, um, that's a very good shout. All right. So before we let you go, let's talk about some predictions. We last, last week we had our preview pod and we made our predictions for the season. So I'm going to run some through a couple categories and you give me what you think is going to happen this year. Uh, no since we talked about Immobile earlier, uh, who do you think is going to win the Capo Caninieri this year? It's a tough one. I, I will, look, I think that Ronaldo could score a, a lot of goals, but not to, not to state the obvious. I'm going to tip Gonzalo Higuain. I think Higuain oh. can have a, have a breakout season at, at AC Milan, for AC Milan. I really think that he can be the decisive factor to bring them back into top four contention. So maybe not everyone's favorite, but I'm going to tip uh, Gonzalo Higuain to win the Capo Canonieri. That's a really good shout. Two of our panelists picked uh, Gonzalo, Agua, Gonzalo Iguain, excuse me. I went with the uh, the rival in Maro Icardi for that one. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, who is your top four this season? Look, I'm going to tip Juventus to win. I just think when you have a second eleven that could still compete in the competition, I, I just think that they're a class above still, which some may think it's not healthy for the competition but I think it's really healthy for the competition and the fact that it's bringing Serie A back into the top echelon of world sporting competition so I think you'll be to win a little easier than they did last season okay. I think I think second look obviously disappointing performance for Inter Milan at the weekend but I think they'll find a way to bounce back I think Nangolan could be one of the players of the season so I'm going to tip Inter to finish second with Napoli in third spot I think they'll be very close to Inter, and look, fourth place, toss the coin, but I'm going to tip Roma to, to just edge out AC Milan for the top four. So, Juve, Inter, Napoli, and Roma for me. That's a very good shout. I had Roma and Milan flipped on that one, but uh, otherwise I'm in agreement with you. Uh, who do you think are the bottom three that are going to be relegated? Bottom three, look, Frosinone for me will finish rock bottom, I am that that was the prediction I made even before this morning's four uh, nil or the early early today the four nil defeat obviously against Atalanta. I think Frosinone yeah just lacking some options up top with some long term injuries. So Frosinone to go down and I think despite an opening day win, I think Spal will join them as will Kiev. I think Kiev's luck 
in the top flight has run out. But that's obviously off the back of a, a very impressive defeat against Juventus. But Kievo, Spal and Frosinone for me to go down. Uh, those are good choices. I, uh, I also picked Frosinone to come in last. I had uh, Kievo and Cagliari as the other two. Um, okay. All right. Uh, so before we give you a plug, um, Napoli-Milan this weekend, is this going to be a taller task for Milan, you know, being this is their first game and Napoli have already had a game in hand, or will this be a lot closer than the experts think? Yeah, look, I think I think the postponement, as I touched on earlier, I think that will actually work against AC Milan. When you talk of a new club with new signings and particularly a new focal point up top in Gonzalo Higuain, I really feel that they would have been of, of great benefit to have had that 90 minutes against Genoa. Register a... Well, I'm not saying they would have won... Certainly, but let try and register a convincing win on the opening day. Build some momentum and take that with you to to travel to one of uh, Italy's best in Napoli. So I think it will work against them. I think Napoli will defeat AC Milan. But look, I, what I want to see from AC Milan is a positive display, positive performance, and and hopefully a goal or two as well to at least push Napoli. But I think they will be at a loss for for missing out on uh, match day one. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a great matchup. It's going to be a return matchup. Ancelotti against Milan and Higuain sure. against Napoli. Um, all right. So before we let you go, um, what are you doing in the, uh, what, what works do you have? Do, anything do you want to plug before we let you go? Got plenty of works in the making. As you touched off the top, I'm, uh, yeah, currently working with, uh, Football Nation Radio in Australia. Australia's only 24 hour football dedicated digital radio platform. So, can check us out. We're at FNR underscore radio on Twitter there. I'm on Twitter as well at Adrian Del Monte. You can check me out there. Normally, normally tweeting and chatting all things Italian football, but yeah, do keep an eye on me. I, I believe I will be back in, in the US very shortly with, uh, some other Italian football opportunities in the works. So plenty more still to come, but I do appreciate chatting with you all things, uh, Serie A and hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely, and you have a you have a good day. Um, it's uh, eight p.m. where I am, so I think it's what closer what eight a.m. where you are. Ten twenty a.m. at the moment here, so nice and early morning. Oh wow! Well, you have a good day, and thank you again for coming on Syria Sit Down, Adriano. My pleasure. Cheers. Excellent stuff from Adriano and Richard. Great job with the uh, uh, with the interview, and I think that now puts us at we've hit every continent in the uh, in the world except well, obviously we're not going to hit Antarctica unless we find a penguin that's an expert on Serie A um, and uh, Asia. We don't have we've we've not uh, we've not had an Asian uh, Serie A expert yet, at least from the continent of Asia. I should uh, I should correct myself there. <laughs> we're getting there though. Yep. Yep. So we branched out because we had Aust- we hit uh, we hit Australia with uh, Adriano Del Monte. We had Africa last week with uh, Rosella. Um, with a, a number of people from Europe and obviously a number of people from North America and South America. We had Brian Brian Berti, uh, you know, hosting us uh, before he we, moved on to some. We did have Gregory Caltabanas while he was in Asia. Does that count? Um, I'm going to defer <laughs> that. I'm going to defer that to our listeners. <laughs> No, we'll get we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get we'll get some uh, more people on there, and we'll find a penguin or a polar bear from Antarctica because we're that committed. <laughs> yep, yep, we're not we're not going to rest. So, but uh, you know, we are going to rest now. We're going to put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit down um, <clears throat> before we go into the uh, social media checks and uh, shameless plugs. Uh, once again, we have our own channel on iTunes. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. Please go and subscribe. 
leave your comments, leave your, uh, you know, your hate mail, your, your high praise, any, I, any topics you want to see us cover on future podcasts. We'd love to hear them, uh, you know, go there. Uh, we're, we're, we're playing around with videos and getting on YouTube. So, uh, there is a YouTube channel for Serie A sit down, subscribe there, uh, give some comments on what you're seeing from that it would mean a lot to us. Um, where else are we going, Richard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where aren't we going? That's a question. Yeah, where aren't we going? So, um, plug away, Richard. Uh, yeah, before I get into my stuff, you know, we want to thank again uh, Adriano Del Monte. Uh, as you heard on his when we were, when I was speaking to him, you can find him on Twitter at Adrian Del Monte, A D R I A N D E L M O N T E, or you can follow uh, where he where he does his work at at F N R underscore Radio. Uh, so thank you again, Adriano, for uh, jumping on the podcast, helping us out. As for me. You can follow me as always at r underscore k h a r m a n. Um, I don't have anything writing right now, but um, I'm just uh, enjoying soccer and uh, expecting life to get crazy here very soon. So uh, can't wait. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed, we're counting it down for you. So uh, you can find me at ftc underscore twenty one. Um, the Calcio Consultant on World Football Index. Not going to have something this week. Uh, however, um, do look out for one, uh, if not next week, the following week, I will probably have a first impression on Serie A, uh, through the first two to three match weeks before we hit that first international break for the UEFA Nations League. Uh, so do, you do want to look forward to that. Um, otherwise at Serie A sit down is our, uh, Twitter handle. It's also our handle on Instagram. Go there, uh, with any thoughts or any ideas or, or any comments. We'd love to hear them. Um, but for uh, Richard, I'm Frank, and as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.